Let me pray this morning. Father, we, um, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come and to worship. And uh, Father, we thank you for um, our student leaders, our students, and Father, the work that they have done this week uh, on the north side of Memphis. And uh, Father, we, we thank you for their faithfulness. And as the seeds of the gospel have been planted, uh, Father, we pray that um, you would use that not only this week, but in the years to come. Uh, Father, for the furtherance of your kingdom, that people would be saved and lives changed. And so, Father, today we, um, we thank you for the gospel and how each one of us who have been changed by the gospel had somebody, somebody who told us about Jesus. And, um, Father, I pray that we would be challenged to tell others. And so we just uh, pray that you'd be with us in the moments we have left, uh, that you would speak to our hearts, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Um, this summer I've asked that we be grounded in the Scripture, and we would allow the Scripture to shed light in our lives. Um, I want to talk about one of the consistent themes throughout the Scripture there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of verses uh, related to our topic today, which is our speech, our words. And there's going to be two sermons. There's going to be some other sermons as the summer unfolds on some different topics. But the next two Sundays, I want to talk about the power of our words. I'm going to talk about <laughs> evil words today. And next Sunday, next Sunday we'll also celebrate the Lord's Supper. But we'll couple that with a short sermon on uh, the power of our words for good. I, I thought about the students, um, and I didn't have opportunity to share this story. But if we're just talking about the power of words. Um, when I was a student, we went on mission trips. And when I was a freshman in high school, Amy would have been on this trip too. We went to Bayonne, New Jersey to the projects outside of New York City. And um, I was just, oh my, 15 years of age. And we had been trained to share the gospel. And we were told, you know, find opportunities to share uh, the gospel. And we, we listen, this is uh, hmm, 1976 or so, I don't know, 77 maybe the summer. 77 and uh, we had the, the tracks the four spiritual laws and uh, as God is my witness this is my story that we were in the projects of Bayonne New Jersey and we did a vacation Bible school and all week it was gnawing on my heart I need to tell somebody about Jesus I need to tell somebody about Jesus I need to tell somebody about Jesus I hadn't I hadn't done what I've been trained to do we were doing other things, but I hadn't, I hadn't shared the four spiritual laws. And as God is my witness, one of the most significant experiences of my life, I, I can visualize it in my brain. Uh, say we're doing backyard Bible clubs from 9 to noon, and it was getting close to noon. It was like Friday or whatever the last day was, and man, I hadn't told anybody about Jesus. And uh, I was sitting there at the doorway of the project's this high-rise, and there was a boy sitting out on the steps who'd been there, and he was listening in, but he was, like, too cool for school, you know, wasn't going to come in. And uh, obviously I was, 
also too cool for school. Not really. And I, God just put it on my heart. And I went out there as a 15-year-old boy with my four spiritual laws. And I said, can I, can I share this with you? As God is my witness today. The first time I ever remember telling anybody about Jesus. Ever. Church kid. I went up there and I said, can I just share this with you? And I started, I, I mechanically went through the four spiritual laws. And he's like, he's like 13 and I'm 15. You know, or something like that. It's like we're just two, you know, just young teenagers. And uh, this is kind of heavy stuff. And um, I got to the end and it, and it asked the question in the book. I said, can I just read you this question? It says, is there any reason today that you wouldn't be willing to give your life to Jesus? And, about the, you know, guys, guys don't look face to face when we deal with people. We kind of like sit by side by side, you know, and like, hey, I'm not going to look at you, you know, but I'm just, we're just going, we're just sitting side by side. And I'm um, going through, is there any reason in the world? I remember in that moment turning towards him and looking, and there are tears coming down that boy's face. He said, no. I said, well, the booklet says that... Um, <laughs> can I lead you in this prayer and would you pray this prayer with me? And he said, yeah. I, I'm serious. I'm just going through it that mechanically. And uh, went through the prayer and he gave his life to Jesus that day. A few minutes later, the bus, the van pulls up to pick us up. And I, I'm leaving. And I had a little red Bible my parents had bought for me to take on my mission trip. And all I knew to do was to give that little red Bible to that kid. It was about my age. First time I ever shared Jesus. Jesus just looked down and said, oh my, good grief. Let me, just, let me just let this work so this boy will know. It's not about him. It's always about me. First time I ever shared Jesus on a youth mission trip as a freshman, probably after my freshman year in high school. Um, God took pity on me and, and on that young man. And I, uh, there's some people I want to see when I get to the other side, I don't know his name. I don't know. I can't picture his face. But someday I believe in eternity there will be a young man that comes up to me and said, you were the one. I don't think he got the little red Bible into heaven. I don't know if you get Bibles into heaven or not. I can still picture that little red Bible. I had to explain to my parents why I didn't come home with my little red Bible. Our words are powerful. And the scripture speaks much about our words. I thought about last week, and I'll go through this quickly this morning. Um, I, well, I was thinking about Vacation Bible School this week, and we're in the wilderness with Moses and the Israelites wandering, and we're learning lessons about how to trust God. And uh, I'm Moses, and Will is my sidekick this week. If you want to just come for some drama, just stop by the warehouse, it will be dramatic. We're, oh, I shouldn't say what we're doing tonight. Oh, it's, I'm, I was about to let the cat out of the bag. I can't tell you. I was about to say what we were going to do tonight. But uh, it's going to really be, it's one of the biggies. One of the biggies. It's going to be awesome. We're hoping. Uh, Will's looking over his script right now. It's like, hey, when are we going to practice this? <laughs> eh, for sure, 4.30 this afternoon. Um, uh, but I got to thinking about that because last week in our scripture, uh, the context of Hebrews 3 and 4 was the children of Israel in the wilderness and 
The writer of Hebrews has that verse in Hebrews 4.12 that says, For the word of God uh, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to pierce, as I described last week, to the very core of our being. But uh, that's in the context of Hebrews 3 and 4 in which the writer is speaking about the Jewish people's heart of disbelief. God said his word can penetrate and discover when there is disbelief in our hearts, which was indicative of the children of Israel uh, during their years of wandering in the wilderness. But here's, here's, here it is this morning. Their heart of disbelief was indicated by an outward sign, which we all know was their murmuring. <laughs> and there's that great Hebrew word, just kind of means to murmur, murmur, murmur. Yeah, it's just like, yeah murmuring the murmuring was an indicator of their heart condition which was disbelief do you understand there was something on the inside that you couldn't necessarily see but there was an outward indication of it which was their words which in this case was their murmuring the one truth I want us to just focus on for these next few minutes is that our speech is an indicator of the condition of our heart. And I want that truth to soak in this morning. That our speech is an indicator of the condition of our heart. We don't, all, we don't always know what's in someone's heart. We don't always know what's in our heart. What the scripture says is, I just studied this this week. The scripture says, but you know what? We may not, and we may, we may live in the shadows of self-deceit, as I described a couple weeks ago. But there is an outward indicator of the condition of our heart, and it is the words that come out of our mouth. We're going to talk about what that means today. That's true either good or bad the words that come out of our mouth in fact I would almost say today from what I've studied in the scripture it is the primary indicator of the condition of our heart listen to yourself listen to others their words will give you indication of the condition of our heart that's what I believe the scripture teaches and so as we read the scriptures the scriptures shed light on our speech and it identifies what is ungodly and there are dozens and dozens of verses as I've looked through the the Bible this week and I'm, I'm gonna read more than I would normally read but just kinda touch on them but there's so many more that I could read the scripture shed light on our speech and it identifies what is ungodly what is evil next Sunday we'll we'll flip this and we'll say what is the scripture says what are the good things that are come out of our mouth uh, but quite honestly there's more verses about what is ungodly what is not in alignment with God's character in our life as his children and so just in kind of a summary sense, 
The scripture calls out speech that is contentious, vengeful, deceitful, flattering, proud, hateful, angry. It condemns gossip, slander, lying, cursing, backbiting. Uh, so many scriptures, uh, a lot of them focus upon the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. I just went through this and I found over 30 verses in Psalms which speak about the characteristics of evil speech. You say, well, that's a lot out of 150 chapters. Well, Proverbs, the frequency is off the chart. I found over 50 times the book of Proverbs speaks about uh, the evil characteristics of our speech uh, just as a representative of that. Uh, in Proverbs 18, 6, 7, and 8, this just represents all those verses in Psalms and in Proverbs. It says, A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. And you could, you could do dozens of those just like that in the book of Psalms, in the book of Proverbs. Jesus picks up this theme in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 12, verse 34 and following. He says, brood of vipers. That's always a good way to start in addressing your audience. Brood of vipers. Obviously, he's speaking to the Pharisees, which is, this was his term. How can you, being evil, speak good things? What did Jesus just say there? Really what he was saying, there is this, he, he lays this out, there is a connection between our innermost being, our heart, and our mouths. How you being evil in your heart, how do good things come out of your mouth? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I believe Jesus was referring to the positive and to the negative. Our mouth is our overflow. Listen, I'll, I'll just tell you, this is, this is not Daryl Smith's long suit here. I may have some virtues. My mouth is not one of them. Uh, I, I'm serious. The only t I, I don't think of anything else in my life that gets me in trouble like my mouth. Historically, I don't, students, I... The only time I ever got in fights at school, I mean, that's not on a weekly basis, but a regular basis. No, it was my mouth. And I would like to say all of that's redeemed. Anyhow, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. And an evil man... Out of evil treasure brings forth evil things. 
But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Uh, beyond Jesus, I just want to read one section from Paul, and I could read James and Peter's words also. But just as a representative of those followers of Jesus who wrote Scripture later, Paul, Ephesians 4, 29 and 31, says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And I could, there's, there's numerous New Testament verses uh, that speak about what is identified by Scripture as speech that is not godly, not in alignment with God's Character And so, as we read Scripture, one of the things that it does is it sheds light on our, on our words, which, which are outward. Um, it identifies evil speech. But, but there's something more significant. And we, I, I said this last Sunday, there's something deeper, there's something more significant than the outward the significance of why the scripture identifies that which is evil is because what comes out of our mouth evil is an identification, an indicator of the condition of our hearts. And for God, that is far more significant. And, and I'm not saying, or the scripture is going to say it here, and just, it's going to have an admonition for us about what to do about those words or not to do about those words. But I, I want you to get this. That the significance is that those words are an indicator of a heart condition that many times is not in alignment with who God is and who we claim to be as his children. So the scripture identifies evil speech to help us see the condition of our heart. And there's really one admonition that the scripture gives us. And it's just you read these, these verses. And that is that we are to control our tongues. Guard our mouths. Restrain our speech. It'll say it in different ways but in Psalm 141 just a couple of these to illustrate this and there are dozens of these in the scripture in Psalm 141 verse 3 David says set a guard O Lord over my mouth keep watch over the door of my lips Proverbs has really more but just as a representative of 
Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Uh, James in the New Testament has several sections about our speech. James is kind of the wisdom literature of the New Testament in line with the Proverbs of the Old Testament. Um, and we could look at chapter 3. There's a whole section there. But if I just had one verse from James today. James 1.26. He says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle, so that's the term for control, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. That's a pretty strong statement. And when you take that with what he says in verse three, chapter 3, this is where I get this sense from the Scripture that the primary indicator in the Scripture of our heart condition is our speech. I don't know, you maybe can dispute that with me and you may have a different sense of the Bible, but just as I read through the Bible, it's like the primary indicator of the condition of our heart, according to the Scripture, is the words that come out of our mouth. Now, I want to conclude with this. I thought since I had a sermon that just quoted that in the multitude of words there is sin that I ought to cut the sermon short today. Uh, amen? Thank you. Thank you for that amen. You say, well, wait a second. It's not just my words. It's my heart that needs to change, and that's so true. You might say, well, you know, it's like, well, I just say what's on my mind. Well, the Scripture says, stop it. Because if it's not necessary, if it's not under edification, if it's not true, if it's not spoken out of love, don't. I mean, that's what the Scripture says. Restrain, control, guard my mouth. You say, well, well preacher, if you're just playing the devil's advocate here, you go, well, that doesn't change my heart. Let me, let me say this. This is the one kind of practical thing I want to say today. Is your words reinforce the condition of your heart. Your words reinforce the condition of your heart. And yes, it's one thing to say, yes, there's, mm, there's something that's not right in my heart and I spoke it. I would say to you, when you speak it, you reinforce that condition, that attitude in your heart. Does that make sense? If you do not speak it, you do not reinforce it. If we can learn next week's sermon to replace that which is evil with good, then the goodness in our heart, when we speak the goodness, the thankfulness, the positive words, the words under edification, that attitude within our heart, and there's darkness and light in our hearts, that will be reinforced. Do you understand? That's why the Scripture says, guard your mouths. 
Because when you speak it, you reinforce that attitude and it becomes deeper. You, you fuel the fire. We know this intuitively in our own minds. Yes, is there more than just not speaking it? Yes. But identify that which is not necessary, not unto edification, not spoken in love, what is not true, what is said vengefully or whatever it is. And then give God the opportunity to change your heart because only God can. But the reason the scripture identifies the words that are not in a line with God is that it might indicate to us personally that my heart is not right and it penetrates in our heart and then we have to have we have to have a heart to heart with God to say God what my words have identified is this condition of my heart and now God I need to repent of that and God You've got to change my heart and you've got to replace that which is of the darkness, which is that which is of the light. But the practical thing, the question I have for you, what, are your, what attitude are your words reinforcing? I want us to... I want us to pray. I was going to have a stand, but I've got a few things I need to say at the end. I want to conclude with this in Psalm 19. Oh, why don't you stand with me this morning? You pray better when you're standing. Psalm 19, verse 14. Prayer of David. Look at this. David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength. And I ask, and my Redeemer. Uh, let's go back to the first screen. We'll just remember, and my Redeemer. Um, I want this to be our prayer today as we close. And I, I want to, I have some things I need to say right at the end. Um, so just hang with me after we we pray this, but if you will just uh, pray this with me out loud. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Father, today we pray as we leave this place that, uh, Father, you would um, help us to make the choice to guard our words and that, Father, that then you would do a work in our hearts uh, to change us. And that, Father, that you would then empower us to use our words uh, to glorify you. And, Father, we trust this to you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you, just as you will stand, I still have, I have a few things I need to say. Look, it's like two minutes until 12. I've never gotten out this early before. It'll be five after. Let me just tell you, it's going to be five after before we get out of here. Actually, this Sunday we have a quick family conference we need to have. We didn't have one last week. So when I'm finished with these announcements, we're going to take a two to three minute break. There are financial reports, minutes in the foyer. Get those. If you'll come back, we'll, it will be a quick 
um, a family conference today. Hey, if you're new to our church, uh, you can, can we put the connect card screen up there? Yeah, you can connect, you can text connect card to that number and uh, fill out a, a connect card that will help us uh, get to know you. And, uh, and you can leave them. Uh, at the Welcome Center, which is in the foyer, or hand them to a staff member if you know one. Uh, if you're giving, we have our giving boxes in the back. We have summer reading plans for us staying grounded in the Word. Those are in the foyer. Um, hey, next Sunday we will observe the Lord's Supper in the morning service. Uh, Sunday night, Will will have a licensing service at First Baptist Carthage. I believe that's at 6 o'clock. Do we know that? We'll let you know. We think it's at 6 o'clock. I, I know Amy and I are going. There may be others of you that want to go. And um, we, um, if you can, then uh, we encourage you to do so. Uh, pray for me. I will leave for Africa uh, a week from Monday. So be in prayer for me. Also, I'm continuing to get out information about our Holy Land trip in November. There are brochures uh, in the foyer. Uh, one of the things I want to end with this, and then Aaron, if you have something, if we need to emphasize something, we can do that. Um, we, we are always in need of volunteers, and so we have talked about the needs that exist in our church, and uh, there are so many opportunities. We encourage you to take our online uh, survey. It's under ministry opportunities on our church website, and it may, you may be led to our food ministry, Africa, we're also re, uh, kind of reworking some of our kitchen crews that do uh, funeral meals and churchwide meals. You can sign up for that. Let us know that you're interested in that. Always nursery, always children's church. I'm also pushing uh, for volunteers for warehouse worship, which is our elementary school age uh, kids. I know for Will, uh, we're going to kind of reformat Wednesday nights in the fall, and he's going to need... Uh, small group leaders. I think there's got to be six of them. I don't know how, what you have in mind. We need people, but you may begin to pray about that, and that may be something you are interested in. Obviously, we have children's activities that we're also going to need volunteers for. Uh, for Team Kid on Wednesday nights, we will be relaunching outreach in our D groups in the fall. I just encourage you uh, to pray about how God would use you uh, in service. So uh, pray about that. We're putting that before you every Sunday in June. Aaron, do you have things that you want to... Uh, I told them to come early tonight. I don't, were you in here at the start? Okay, so we, we've talked about being here early tonight. Uh, it's 5.30 to 8, uh, K through 4th. Come early tonight to register, but you yeah, so speak to us. Yeah, here tonight, 4.30, 5 o'clock. Um, I know you work, so if you can't come later the rest of the night, that's fine. But it's especially crafts, so you know what you're doing. And you can come eat. There will be food and tables for you just to get started tonight. Um, there is nursery. I know we talked about it before, but if just to remind the workers, I don't know. It's been a lot of work this yeah. past week. Byron took all my youth to Tennessee. <laughs> it's been like a 10-man crew on yeah. the good days. But you, so. you did an amazing job, and it looks great. Yeah. Um, we have to decorate this. If we could get some men to help us move stuff off the stage, we have some last minute decorations here, a canopy um, in the COC, and we're about done. All right. 
we're excited about tonight. Thank you for all your work. Um, hey, we're going to uh, take a two to three minutes.